How about them Cowboys? That out of the way on this episode of Illegal Shift, we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes and what a weenie he is. But on the other hand, the officiating is out of hand. What's up with Aaron Rodgers? What's up with Zach Wilson and CJ Stroud? Is it a Freaky Friday body swap situation? In those movies, no one wants to believe them, but I'm ready to help on Illegal Shift. The growing calls across the nation to defund the just overpowered. Illegal shift on the kicking team. That penalty is refused. First down. Guns up, giddy up, everybody. It's failure to stop the number one platform and podcast where we entertain and inform first responders. We also confuse and depress our friends and family. Joining me as always is Jason Kiefer, the chief of a fire department out there in Ohio. Keith, how are you? I'm good. Former chief, but I'm doing very, very well today. We uh, both had a good football weekend. Pretty Without excited. What what happened there that you went from chief to lieutenant? That's something I never asked before. I assumed you could be chief and lieutenant simultaneously. Is that wrong? Uh, it may not necessarily be wrong, but most places don't, don't do it that way. But I ended up moving departments. Um, I was with a very small department and ended up just getting out of out of that one and going to another one so every time we call you chief we dig up uh, angry and sad memories absolutely not those are great okay. memories okay but uh your lieutenant jason Kiefer would be the proper way to refer to you factual factual okay you ever going to go up for captain or are you done uh, you have to say here on the air in front of everyone what your <laughs> position is. potentially i mean i've only got four more years so okay. i'm kind of i'm comfortable i'm comfortable where i'm at for now but you know, that four years, a lot, of, a lot can happen. That retirement get a whole lot better if you go up to captain or is it just not worth it? Or what do you think? Uh, probably won't because I've already got my my high years in. So I probably won't surpass high years that I've had in the past. So that that's how our pension's based off of. It's a percentage of your highest five years. So, okay. And if you only got four left, yeah. I've, uh, there's no such thing as a dispatch chief or captain, really. So, it was interesting when I when I went in for my job at, at my 911 dispatch agency. There's at that time I was the ninth dispatcher, like a very small agency. Like some dispatch agencies have like you know 50, 80 dispatchers. We have nine. And so uh, they asked me what my five year plan was. And you know, I was talking about how like, you know, I'd being a shift supervisor would be cool and you know, set my sights on someday, you know, seeing what else I can do. And they're like, well, it's just, you know. My boss is there and he's just like, well, it's just dispatchers and me. So I guess you could have this job over my cold, dead body. And I'm like, <laughs> why did you ask then? Why did you ask where I want to be in five years? Are you just checking to see if I'm gunning for your job? Because I'm not even hired yet. Like, why don't you just why don't you ask me that on my first day or something? You know, why are you asking me that now? Well, if um, you're being asked a question, somebody most likely knows the answer. They do. But what was it is my point. Like, I get that the HR ladies there, they, they want to see some drive. You know, they don't want you to say, well, like, well, my hope is, is that, you know, I can just skate by doing as little as possible until I retire. You know, they don't want to hear that from you, uh, which is probably the most. Yes, it's the most honest answer a government employee could give. Um, circling away from us being first responders, folks, this is a, a, a sports show, but both Jason and I are, are first responders. You heard he's a firefighter. I'm a 911 dispatcher. 
We have other uh, various first responders who will contribute to the show as we go. But uh, before we get into our top story, Patrick Mahomes, that we're legally required to get into. If you have watched uh, Sports Center at all this week, you have seen uh, multiple uh, outtakes of Patrick Mahomes flying off the handle, uh, throwing his helmet, acting like he doesn't know how to bundle his home and auto insurance. <laughs> we we have to handle that too on this show. Uh, but uh, before we do that, I just want to ask you, you know, the Bengals had a big day. What, what were your takeaways from the Bengals game since you're a fan? Oh, it was, it was a great game. Um, Jake Browning coming in his second start as a backup, um, which something I'm sure we'll we'll dive into is, as far as how many starting quarterbacks are out and how many backups are actually in and, and doing well. Um, but to see Jake Browning, who I really didn't even know who he was, you know, as the the number two guy, and we've got AJ McCarron on the bench as well. But something that was weird about that game, and I've never seen it before. Usually, you see a wide receiver or a running back have to go into the locker room to get an IV for a cramp. I've literally never seen a quarterback's throwing hand cramp up to where it looked like he was having a stroke. I couldn't tell if it was dislocated. He was having a stroke, and I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" You know, and then he comes back out. What you know, five minutes later, gets back in the game, but. A.J. McCarron's first pass that he threw as a returning Bengal, because he was a former Bengal, was a touchdown and then called back by a penalty. So, Oh, how does that feel? Maybe, maybe I've, been, I've been rooting for McCarron to be in instead of Browning. But then, yeah. you, know, you know, the week before last, Browning throws for, what, 324 yards and just completely blew it up. So I had to I had to eat crow on the, the one more I'm out of your podcast because I was completely shitting on Browning. And I was very, very wrong. So. Yeah, I don't want to pile on you because, like, you know, I, the, the Bengals, whatever they're doing is not really, it doesn't matter to me, like, in an emotional sense. But they were uh, they they were doing really well with Browning. A.J. McCarron's, uh, uh, I'm actually a fan of his, if you didn't know this, because he uh, he quit the NFL to go play in the XFL. I believe he played for the Battlehawks, and it was because he wanted to start. He wanted his son to see him being a starting quarterback. So was it, was was, it the XFL or USFL? I can't I can't remember. I'm, I, I think he was in both, but I think okay. he I think he went to the XFL first. I think he was with the Battlehawks. I could check myself on that later. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. There's a lot of AJ McCarron fans or XFL fans listening. But uh, if you're out there and you know that I'm wrong, you can just DM me. You can reach me at uh, at difficult to look at pictures on Instagram. Jason, how can they reach you? Uh, you can get me on Instagram at jkeef21. It's J-K-I-E-F-21. Or you can hit the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast Instagram. We're on Facebook as well. Yeah. One More and I'm Out of Here is a good podcast. Is how Jason and I know each, know each other. I did some work for him, but we met. Uh, prior to me ever joining Failure to Stop, we kind of like... Uh, tried to help each other figure some stuff out. It's kind of difficult to just become podcasters, you know, like yeah. obviously like uh, you, you, you always made it look easy. And I had many episodes in which I made it look like it was as hard as possible. <laughs> I disagree, but okay. Thank you. I, I enjoyed the Cowboys game thoroughly. At one point I was a little bit worried about the narrative that we'll get into with the refs because it looked like the refs were calling more penalties on the Eagles than they were on the Cowboys. And then uh, later, later in the game, uh, Dak lost a fumble that got returned by Fletcher Cox, my most hated enemy, or it was fumbled by Fletcher Cox anyway. He, if you forced the fumble, I really hate Fletcher Cox is the point of this presentation. And then, uh, so then after that, I'm like, well, all of a sudden it's like what 12 to 24 or whatever it was. I'm like, well, now they're kind of back in the game. If they can get something going here, they'll, you know, they'll make a run for it up to the end of the fourth quarter. And then there was a penalty called on center Tyler Biotish. He actually got two in a row, the first of which was clipping. 
was watching an interview with him yesterday, and he's, he uh, he recalled that all the times that he's ever been called for clipping, going back to his high school days, guess how many times that was? I uh, don't know. Zero times. He's literally never been called for clipping. Uh, they were discussing, you know, when was the last time somebody in the NFL got called for clipping? It was almost like they threw the flag and they needed to penalize the Cowboys for something. They're like, ah, it's that guy. He clipped somebody. <laughs> you know, they kind of made it up. And and when I watched the replay and and even like the announcers are just like, well, there's no clipping here. I'm just like, here we go. Here's where, you know, they had the whole first half, uh, basically Cowboys dominance. And now, now we're going to th start throwing in some penalties that are going to, you know, set back this drive. And then the Eagles are going to be given a chance to come back. However, uh, what mostly foiled the refs' plans was the Eagles' inability to score a touchdown on offense, which uh, keeps me warm at night just thinking about it, you know, that the Eagles were uh, so inept on their offense they weren't able to score. Just uh, a fantastic game. It always feels good to win, but it always feels good to beat the Eagles. I just wish we'd done it twice this year, but I guess there's still a chance for that. The situation in the East, if you're wondering about what's going on with the Cowboys and the Eagles, is that the Cowboys and Eagles are currently tied to win the NFC East. Uh, if the uh, Eagles went out and the Cowboys went out, the Eagles will take the tiebreaker because they have a better uh, strength of victory over conference opponents. So we really need the Seahawks to win this week. If you're a good person, if you believe in basic decency, if you want good to prevail over evil, you will be rooting for the Seahawks as they take on the Eagles this week. Um, I didn't. I can't remember now because I sent you sent you my picks, but I can't remember who you the picked the Eagles. No, all right. I'll still root for the I'll still root for the Seahawks though. You can you can root for one P team and pick another. I mean, we, yeah. what you're saying is, is what you believe will happen, and there's really nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just you know, hopefully, for the sake of America and our interests abroad and our all of our allies and freedom loving people everywhere, the Eagles will live on. <laughs> really need to get rid of those guys. Um, no, I was a hell of a game. Really enjoyed it, and uh, this week the Cowboys take on the Bills. So. Um, I believe we will be fine because the Bills obviously are uh, seven and six. They're one of many AFC teams who are kind of right on the bubble there. Yeah, it's Talk crazy, to... crazy looking at that AFC where it where is. where everybody's sitting currently. All all teams are tied in the AFC for the wild card. There's three wild card spots, and over 100 AFC teams are currently in contention to take those places. <laughs> so, the next couple of weeks are really going to tease that out. We'll see what's going on with Pittsburgh. Uh, the Chargers are—I don't believe they're on that bubble, but they're one of another quarter a team with, that's losing the quarterback. It was announced uh, early this morning or late last night that Herbert is out. That means 16 of 32 teams, half of all teams, have <laughs> used uh, more than one starting quarterback this year. Uh, the record was actually set last year, if you can believe it. I don't feels like this year's worse for starting quarterbacks, but uh, we're we're approaching last year's. The Browns, case at point, have started four different quarterbacks this year and have had wins with all four which just shows you how serious their defense is. There's something, there's somebody to be respected. I, I don't, I know this is something that you don't want for yourself, but I would love to see Joe Flacco, you know, Super Bowl winning quarterback with the Ravens take the Browns and I, I don't know, win the division, get in the playoffs, have an embarrassing game, uh, embarrass the Ravens or something just because as a football fan, you have to love a comeback story. You know, I was rooting for Alex Smith, ironically, when he was playing for Washington. He came back uh, after his injury and he won the division, which was amazing to do in Washington. And it was like I could hardly hate the guy for doing it. Same thing with Joe Flacco. It's like we all forgot he ever existed. Well, when we were talking about uh, the Super Bowl that you went to with uh, Joe Burrow and um, gosh, what about all, all I remember was this. They're like, do you have any idea how many how many Super Bowls have 
had a court starting quarterback named Joe, Joe Burrow, and Joe Namath, and Joe Montana. And that's all of them. And I'm like, wait a second. What about <laughs> what about Flacco? You just you about Joe Flacco. Yeah. You completely forgot about him. And, and uh, like, you know, he just he's sitting at home when that got announced, and he's just like looking at the floor. He's like, it's like I'm not Trent Dilfer. You don't have to forget my Super Bowl. You know, you're like <laughs> You're allowed to remember mine. I don't know why you, you, you feel like you have to forget. Um, I think I read he was. I think he was auditioning for was it inside the NFL or or something. He you know, uh, commentator, Brock color, you know, color analyst or or whatever. I guess he had interviewed before he decided to come back into the league, which I thought was interesting. I always love it when guys really don't officially put in their papers and people aren't paying attention. Um, because there's always that door open. I think even Philip Rivers, as as a bad of a decision that would be, I think he's, I think his papers are still not put in, so he could show up at any time. My favorite stat about Philip Rivers, and I've, everyone knows this at this point, but he literally has ten children, which means that if if Philip Rivers and his ten children take the field, he literally has his own offense. <laughs> he literally has enough players. His, Him walking his, down the tunnel with his bolo tie and, and yes, and ten but kids he, in tow. He could literally have like his son at tight end and his son at like left tackle and his daughter at center and his other son at, at like fullback and his other son at running back and his <laughs> other son at wide receiver. Like <laughs> when you call out all his children by by position, it really underscores how many fucking kids this guy has. Uh, you usually hear, oh, man, he got a basketball team for yeah. a family. No, he's got, yeah, he's no. got an offense. He's he's got it, and it just goes to show you that uh, he he was able to, uh, you know, although when he was for the Chargers, his interception rate was always very high. At least his at least his completion rate has continued to be to be very high. Oh, what a joke! Can you believe oh, I made oh, that joke? Sh- Somewhere, uh, Jake is in the backstage, just like mad that he had that one teed up and didn't get to say it. Uh, speaking of him, let's get him in because we're going to start uh, talking about our our first game up, and that's of course Patrick Mahomes. Throwing a temper tantrum because the refs took away greatness as well as a touchdown. I have to say it's it's a it's a fucking cocky thing to say that the refs took away greatness. Right. You know, he was he was commenting that you know Travis Kelsey's having a Hall of Fame career, and this was a Hall of Fame moment for Travis Kelsey, and how unfair it was that the refs undid it. Let's uh bring in uh Jake motherfucker welder. He's my co-host on Patreon to stop hard time he's also our buffalo bills correspondent so i'm hoping that he has some uh, spicy takes on this situation uh i'll let you tee it off jake and then uh, jason i'll have your thoughts so here in the shadows at seven and six i am uh, wearing my buffalo bills hat i don't know if you can see that no we cannot see um yeah poor poor patrick mahomes i feel so bad for the guy i mean this is what he's It looks like you're breaking up a little bit, Jake. I'm actually going to put you back in the backstage. Why don't you uh, fix that camera, and then we'll bring you right back in, Keith. What What are your takes on this? <laughs> With the statement that he made, and you know, the Travis Kelsey Hall of Fame season. I mean, yeah, the guy the guy is excellent. Outside of his dating choices, he's excellent. But how, how is that? How is that one game going to define his his Hall of Fame? status down the road i mean he he came up with what probably would have been one of the greatest trick plays to be to, to be seen all to get called back um 
but I think it's a pompous it's a pompous thing for him to say Mahomes to say anything like that. Be a leader. Be a goddamn leader. Don't be a whiny bitch. I can't stand that. When I when I saw him throwing his helmet, and I get it, you know, emotions run. I understand that. But if you're as as tenured and you know you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you, you got to hold your stuff together. And yeah, we talked about it, you know, two episodes last episode or two episodes ago, where you know the officiating is is a problem. Everybody knows that. Everybody sees it. But just you know his antics and the stuff that him and Andy Reid both said was very disappointed as, you know, if they're as good as what they say they are, then they should conduct themselves as such. Uh, without a doubt. The other thing is, is he has so many endorsement deals that it would just be a, a huge mistake uh, for him, for him to, you know, lose his image as the consummate nice guy, the laid back guy, the guy who's who wants you to bundle your home and auto and all this stuff. You know, these he's having chicken nuggets with Andy Reid. You know, you can't afford to look this way. But let's break it down for people that aren't aren't football fans. Some of our first responder fans are listening to us because they like us. I've had people reach out and say that they watch the show because they like you, Keith. Let's talk about what's actually happening. So the Chiefs and the Bills recently have had a pretty strong rivalry. Uh, there was a game, uh, an AFC divisional round, I believe, a couple years ago, in which uh, basically the Chiefs and the Bills became bitter, bitter enemies, uh, just the way that it played out. So now you have kind of a rematch of some strong contemporary rivals. The Bills seemed like they did not want to win this game. It seems like the defense <laughs> was just killing them. And then on third and long, you know, they would he would throw it out of bounds and then like a penalty would keep them going. I, I, that, that may or may not be a statistic, but that's how it felt as an outsider watching the game. And so um, all of a sudden the, the Chiefs are able to kind of uh, put themselves in a, in a position where they can take command. You have uh, you have the commentators saying, like, you know, who's your man for, you know, two minutes left in the game? If you're going to take any quarterback, who could win this in two minutes? Who is it? They're like, well, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's the guy that can do this. You know, we do a little bit uh, – we do a bit of over-validating in the NFL where we take someone who's right before us and is fairly good, and we just say that they're the greatest of all time, whether that's uh, Tom Brady, who's a cheater. Or Patrick Mahomes, who, well, I mean, if you if you cheat, you're out of the conversation. You know, you know, you're a Pete Rose guy, right? Like you think Pete Rose is is um, is a, a phenomenal baseball player who should be in the Hall of Fame for baseball, and he's not, and it's because of the it's because of the cheating thing. That's not going to stop Tom Brady, and I would say that Tom Brady had a a more uh, prolonged uh, dishonest career that had nothing to do with really the gambling, but is he just doesn't seem like a, a above board guy anyway so we tend to over glorify guys when we say that patrick mahomes is the guy that could definitely do this well we and in fairness we, we've seen him do it multiple times yeah. i mean and, yes. it, and it's he's a he is a great great quarterback and he's done it but you're over you know you're over validating comment i mean it, it's so so true i mean that commentator whatever game it is they're going to pick somebody from each you know the offense or the defense and and you know, like you said, say, oh, th you know, this guy is absolutely phenomenal where he had maybe a couple good weeks. Right. And and on the next Mahomes game that's on TV, which will probably be this weekend when they play the Patriots for some reason, uh, just just listen to the commentators. Close your eyes and listen to what the, how they talk about Patrick Mahomes. It's a little bit it's a little bit creepy. The adulation that they do, it sounds it sounds like they're they're almost fans of his, which. To a certain extent, all football player, players or fans may be fans of Patrick Mahomes because he makes the game fun to watch. He makes it very interesting. But let's not go nuts, right? Exactly. Uh, anyway, so he's in a position where he can lead a comeback. And they line up. And they they've got to have a touchdown here. And the ball snapped. 
and it's given to this uh, guy. His last name's Tony. I'm sorry, I don't know what position he plays. Is he a wide receiver? I think that he is. Yeah, I believe so. So he's lined up on the left, and you got Travis Kelsey also lined up there. So Tony runs it down to the left. Uh, no, what happens is is actually uh, Kelsey runs it down there, and he runs into trouble. Like he's getting blocked or tackled. He laterals it back to Tony, who runs it in for a touchdown. Did I get that correct? Uh, without, I feel like I should have watched this play a few more times. The well, problem is I watched it, a is, ton, but there, there's so many moving parts to it that yeah, I was the, confusing the thing, myself. The, the thing is, is that the reason why we're talking about this play is it actually has nothing to do with the lateral throwing it back and then running in for a touchdown. Like that's that was the outcome of the play, but the reason why we're all talking about it is, is because uh, the play didn't count. Uh, a whistle was blown and the flag was thrown and it was for for offside. So what happened was is that um, something that we all learn if you are a football player, much like I was not, you learn how to line up at the at the line of scrimmage, right? So the center's got the ball in his hand, he's he's on in his uh, his stance, and he's got that out in front of him. No player can have their helmet uh, in advance of the vertical plane of that ball. So it's like so he the ball's out in front. Center has his hand on it, and every other player is sort of behind the ball. This is so a team is on offense; they're they're behind the ball, right? You know, you would not want to have a player in front of that. So ball snapped; it all comes back. None of it counts. And the reason for that is that Tony is lined up on the left. He's he's lined up way past the line of scrimmage. He's out. He's up a couple steps ahead of where he should be. And so for that reason, it didn't count. So what happened was is now the the game's lost. It's over. Well, I, think Mahomes, I think it's important important to note that they scored a touchdown that would have put them ahead, and they would have they, won. Yes, the without without that flag, they would have won the game. It was, it's easy to say that's how it would have turned out easily. Uh, we could see that, that that's just how it was going to go. So I, I I I they changed the outcome of the game by throwing the flag. So Patrick Mahomes is on the sideline, throwing his helmet, yelling and screaming, to the point where he goes over and says hello to Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback. And he's still going nuts. He doesn't say like, hi, Josh, it's good to see you. Or like, sorry Very about cute. all those interceptions. Or like, blue really is your color, man. He doesn't say any <laughs> anything that he should be saying. And he's just like, can you believe this? This is fucking bullshit. That's the worst fucking call I've ever seen. He goes on to say that he's never heard offensive offsides ever called. In fairness, in recent years, it hasn't been called very much. But it has been called 11 times this year. And... You really have to compare it to this year because every single year the NFL rules committee and the refs all get together and they they look at what's going on with the game and they say, you know, here's here's the rules we have, here's the rules we need, here's the rules maybe we don't need, which almost never happens. And they said it was called two times in 22 and one time in 21. Yeah, <laughs> so, time this year. So I think that was something they looked at in the off in the off in the off season and said, like, look, this penalty is happening all the time. This is a rule that's on the books and you guys are never calling it. Like. The rule exists, so you need to enforce it. You either need to enforce it or we need to like relax the rules on how the offense lines up. Because right. either way, this is happening and it's making officiating look bad, particularly to anyone who is an official. They'll look at that. You know, somebody like uh, Dean Blandino, the former uh, VP of officiating at the NFL, who's in charge of the XFL's officiating now. You know, he was he's been very critical of, of a lot of those things, but they can see that and they can see that hey, this offense isn't lined up correctly. So why why are we making a big deal out of it? Well, Patrick Mahomes made a big deal out of it. He was acting he was acting like a little baby. Then you have Andy Reid, the head coach, go out there and he says, "You know, I expect the refs to tell me when there's a problem, 
I mean, how could you be a professional coach and say, well, I'm relying on the refs to tell me when my players are doing something wrong. It's your job. Right. It's your job. And it's several people's job to be honest. Cause it's not just him. There's, there's people up in the box. There's offensive coordinators and all, all kinds of people. There's, you know, you have wide receivers, you know, coaches and things like this. You have all kinds of people looking at this formation. That, that, are down, that are down the line. Like, I mean, f- yes. f- for the most part, they can see exactly. I mean, th- th- that's what's so crazy to me about them losing, th- both of them losing their shit. Now, a lot of times, and I'd never played wide receiver. I was a defensive end, for, but I wasn't very good. I didn't play very long. But a wide receiver can line up, look at the line judge, and it happens all the time, whether it's, and I think you brought up something in a text message, Pop Warner all the way up through high school, college, and the pros, where that wide receiver can look over to the line judge, am I good? And they'll tell you. I mean, it is a courtesy that they give you, but they don't tell you, hey, you're, you're, you're not good. You have to ask. They and that's the, way, that's the way it's exactly. They don't owe it to you. Same thing with the coaches. I mean, a coach can be like, hey, does that look, you know, do they look good? And they'll say yes or no. But it's not owed to Andy Reid for that, that, you know, I don't know if that was a line judge or, you know, the umpire, you know, whoever it was, whichever officiating crew was by him to be like, Hey man, your guys, your guys lined up off sides. It's not their, it's not their problem. Be a professional. You're getting paid millions and millions of dollars and millions and millions. Yeah. The whole, the whole organization, any, any one of them could have said, Hey coach, these guys aren't lined up properly. Like, Call a timeout, which would not have been ideal just for the two-minute drill. You know, you're you're trying to be careful of those timeouts because you have no idea how the play is going to turn out, if it's going to stop the clock or not. It's always important. Uh, but you shouldn't you shouldn't be relying on the refs to do your job for you. The person it really comes down to on and is Tony because he should know how to line up. If he's looking to his right and he's clearly past the ball, like you need to you need to take a couple steps back. Mm-hmm. Uh, or turn and ask, like, hey, am I lined up right? Like, you know, he could be proactive asking for that rather than waiting for them to just give you that courtesy notification. Um, here's the other part of it. Uh, here's something I, I wanted to give you guys, uh, show you. And I've mentioned this to you before, but it's not just uh, that he was offsides. If you look uh, over at the right tackle, uh, they're crying about the the penalty that about being lined up offsides. This is already an illegal formation. The right tackle is actually lined up about half a yard or a yard behind the line of scrimmage. So on the left, we're too far forward. And on the right, we're too far behind. So maybe they just wanted to split the difference and then it would be good. If we, yeah, if we decided we were just going to be like, well, he's a little forward, he's a little behind, and it all averages out to two players basically being on the line, it's fine. So, so even if it didn't get called for offsides, it would have been a legal formation. Here's an interesting take that Peyton Manning had on it. And I'm trying to disagree with Peyton Manning more because now he's appeared in a Bud Light commercial with Emmett Smith, no less, which really just breaks my heart because I was really hoping for the end of, of Bud Light after their whole uh, Mulvaney, Dylan Mulvaney, you know, transgendered, I'm a woman who loves beer uh, commercial <laughs> that, that should have destroyed that organization. Now you got Peyton Manning and Emmett Smith in there who are trying to make make sure that you know that Bud Light is the most drinkable beer and it's for everyday everyday Joes, just like you know, <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback uh, Peyton Manning and Hall of Fame running back Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith also throws a pass. Uh, he passes the beer at the end of the commercial, which makes no sense. Anyway, uh, was it a lateral or? It was a it was a it was a forward pass. I I oh, applaud okay. you I applaud you, Jake, for not 
for not like watching the Bud Light commercial. So I, I appreciate that. I have that. no idea. Yeah. Anyway, Peyton Manning's take on it was is like, well, when the ball snapped, they should have all the whistles should have blown, all the flags should have thrown, and called the play dead right then and there because nothing that happens after that matters. But now the Chiefs, having thrown their their play, having thrown the lateral and it running for touchdown. That's part of their playbook that's now public. It's on tape. Everyone knows to look out for that. Everyone knows that they can do it. Um, and now and the Chiefs couldn't run it a second time, right? You know, because now the Bills are going to be wise to it. So do you agree with uh, Peyton Manning's take that the refs should have just blown the play dead immediately? Jake, you just came back in. Do you, you got you got some uh, uh, words I of wisdom? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think that it, it's similar like the uh, – few games ago the bills had 12 men on the field for a play and it what was it did they say you know that that's on the refs the refs should have told us that he was still on the field like that was an illegal it was a you know you had too many people it was a play call and then after the game you have you know the head coach saying that's on me he's like i should have known i should have had my substitutes in there you know we have special teams coming on and off sometimes things happen you know, but they're being professional and they're taking taking account of their mistakes. And you, you know, better believe they were working on uh, that type of thing during practice, two minute drills and getting people on and off and special teams and who's going for what. Um, you know, that's what you're going to be focusing on moving forward. Nobody's perfect, but uh, blaming everything on the refs. I agree. Fish eating has been horrendous in the last couple of years, especially this year. But of all the calls for them to bitch and moan about, I don't think this was the one. I, I completely agree with that statement. And we're, we're kind of in a juxtaposition because, you know, a couple episodes ago, we were saying how the officiating is just absolutely horrid this year. But I feel like this is one that they got right. They actually did the right thing here. So, you know, even though there were a ton of missed calls that Sunday, I mean, I had a whole list of, of different games where, you know, di- you know, calls were either a change the outcome of the game or, you know, help the outcome of the game. But, but I think, I mean, I think they got this one, right. But I'm still not, still not on the, on the team of the referees though, because we, we've got a lot of work to do, or they have a lot of work to do to get this somewhat under control. I, I feel like you're absolutely right with that 12 man situation on the field. The refs obviously know when that's happening, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't fall to them to to tell you, hey, like you've got a substitution error here. Error here. It's there's so many people who are getting paid so much to count numbers of bodies. It's the same thing. You have you have a whole staff of millionaires who are being paid to make sure that everyone's lined up on a line. If they can't do that, and if the players can't do it themselves, then you get what you get. I maybe right. it should have been called dead. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know I think, the, the specific rules for when you call a play dead. But go ahead. I think Bobby Boucher could have seen that from the fucking sideline and, and said, you know, like waved his arms or tackled somebody or done something like everybody. If there's people in the skybox watch, watching the game, why isn't the offensive coordinator? Why doesn't he see this? You know, he can actually speak to the players on the game. I don't know when it, you know, the audio cuts out and stuff like that, but I mean, it, there's there's got to be something where they can tighten this sort of thing up. And I don't think blaming other people for your failures is ever the way. Um, but that's just that's just me speaking as a, a person and a professional, not I just I don't like the crybaby stuff. I mean, I think all the times that 
a, a small one call or a flag change the outcome of the game. It just shows how often it's happened because uh, Patrick Mahomes has been elated every time it's happened because he's won the game. Every time yeah. there's been one of these calls. And the first time it goes wrong, then the waterworks come out and he goes exactly. full caring. So. Yeah, it's, it's it's all it's all good when it's helping you and helping your team's you know your team's record. So, yeah, it's uh, it's funny you say that he goes full Karen. There's the meme that's going about him is that he's got the Karen haircut. I need to speak to the manager right now. <laughs> uh, one one last thing that I wanted to comment on it as we talk about things uh, being fair or not fair is that on the very next play after uh, Kadarius Tony was a few inches off the line or a few yards off the line, uh, on the very next play, Von Miller. Uh, was also uh, lined up very deep in the neutral zone. So maybe either Von Miller's saying like, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, we'll see how this goes. Or maybe like he's just not paying attention either. Maybe Von Miller's distracted by his legal problems. It's entirely possible that he, right. he has a bit too much going on. But I just thought it was it was funny that we also have that going on. Uh, the list that Jace is talking about of all the all the games that have been affected by bad ref calling. I think that's why Patrick Mahomes is immediately launching into the refs because he knows that the ref situation in the NFL has been a bit of a crisis. There's been so many missed or blown calls this year. Uh, Jason, you and I talked previously about how the the refs will call defensive pass interference on a, on a play where the ball is not even catchable. Right. We've been seeing a whole bunch of that going on. Um, I'll just refer to this article. When the Ravens... Uh, had their overtime win against the Rams. This is an overtime. The Ravens ran it back for a touchdown. Uh, they missed a clear block in the back call by the Ravens during the play. It didn't take that pl- place. Didn't take place very far from the ball. A block took place where the Rams player was angling towards uh, Wallace. Uh, who is Wallace? He's uh, the he's a wide receiver. I guess he's the one there who ran it in. Yeah, he turned the ball upfield and into the open instead of missed tackle. Rams defender nearly missed Wallace's legs. So. That was a block of the back that should have been called that would have called back that touchdown that, that won the game. So had they thrown the flag for an illegal block in the back, you know, the, that game would have still kept going. And you could argue the Ravens might have still won that game or, or maybe not. It's hard to say because it was overtime. But that's and, an example of, of an outcome of a game being completely changed by the refs not doing something. And that was a that was a punt return very, very late in the game that that ended up being, as you said, the, the game winning touchdown. You typically don't you typically don't see or hear a block in the back, you know, on a normal offensive play. But you always you always see it called on, you know on a punt return or a kick return because there, there are so many moving parts with that. I mean, there bodies everywhere. I can see where it could possibly be missed, but where it happened because I went back and I found a clip of it. I went back and watched it, and where it happened, I absolutely should have been called. I mean, it was there. there was there was a judge right there. What's the solution, Jason? Do you think that they, they should be able to call a challenge flag for a penalty not not given? I mean, how how else would you do this? And I don't know what that correct answer is. Um, I mean, I do I do think penalties need to should be reviewed. I'm a fan of that, but but yeah, I mean, if it wasn't called, I mean, how do you yeah? How do you go back in time? I mean, you go back an instant replay now, but the play's already over. But then we'll be reviewing every single play to where where baseball is trying to shorten the length of the game. This would, I mean, this would make a three-hour football game four hours easy. Yeah, I think the XFL has that actually. I think that you can challenge any play. And again, if I'm getting my XFL rules wrong, you can go ahead and reach out to me. Uh, 
I was really into the NXFL in 2020, and I didn't get as into it this past time. I don't know if it was just because I was mad that the XFL got killed by COVID or whatever. It could have been that my Houston Roughnecks were also 5-0 and perfect season that year. Um, but I was really into it that year, and I haven't been paying as close attention. Could also be because the USFL is back. But another I was, game with, I was aware of that rule. Another uh, And I, I would double-check me on that, but I'm pretty sure that you can throw a flag and say, like, hey, you missed this over here, which now you, you talk about all the millionaires who are up in the box and lined up all over the place. You have lots of people who are watching this game. And they're not watching it with uh, dispassion like the refs are supposed to. They're watching it for their interests. So they're going to be looking for things that are unfair. And I, I think if you if you implement something like this, like if you're going to throw a flag for a penalty not called, maybe that just, you know, that uh, you have no more timeouts the rest of the half. Like you pay, make a pay a, a pretty big, big price for it if it's, if it's wrong right. or like how, because you have to disincentivize it so they're not doing it all the time, right? Right. Well, and was it the last season or two they've had the uh, New York can make uh, make calls, they can review the games and stuff. And I know that's difficult on a regular Sunday versus a Sunday night game or Thursday night football or whatever. But it's like, you know, why don't why don't they do that more? Why don't they have people who are saying, OK, this is blatantly the wrong call. We need to get a hold of the ref right now and let him know. Uh, what's going on like there I know they're having their discussions and this is going to add another layer to it it might take a few more seconds to get the call but at least we get the right fucking call Um, and the other comment I heard this week was well you know nobody wants to do this job nobody wants to be a ref I think that was um, I saw a clip with like Pat McAfee or something oh they have a hard job nobody wants to be a ref and it's like I, I disagree with that I think there's a lot of people that you know, want to tell people they're wrong. And there's a lot of people in my experience that uh, don't mind being hated. And, you know, like there's plenty of people that will, that will do this job. You know, they're, they're okay with making a lot of money if they have to have, you know, personal protection, get them to and from uh, the football field. And they don't care. I, I think there's, there's more people that could do it and it could be done more professionally. I think like uh, John and I talked about before on a, different podcast talked about you know after the fact i'm sure i'm pretty sure some of these uh bad calls people not lining up some of these fouls and flags and stuff people are going to get um tagged during the middle of the week they're going to get fined even if it wasn't called for a flag which i think is a little off but why don't we do that with the referees why don't Mm -hmm. they have some kind of recompense for um making the wrong call or not calling something that is obvious. If, if they're standing right there looking at it, you can see some of the, like the, was it last week with the horse collar tackle? Like the, the ref is in the background of all the fucking pictures. You can't tell me he didn't see it. I mean, unless he needs corrective lenses, maybe he dropped his contacts. He had his head up his ass. I don't know what it was, but you know what I mean? It's. Well, they have uh, so many redundancies in the officiating portion of it. I mean, you've got, You've got refs that aren't even on the field that are watching stuff. You've got you know people in New York that are watching. So I mean, it's almost like a, a, a triple or quadruple redundancy to make sure that they get it right, and they still don't. And nobody pulls them onto the carpet until now. And to your point, Jake, yeah, they should. And John and I talked about it as well. They should be fine. They should be being fined as often as these players are. Because then I, I think you would see a change. 
I think I found a way to make that happen. I, I don't know if you guys are aware. Maybe this is common knowledge. Maybe it's not. But refs are part-time employees. They all have jobs elsewhere. Like Ed Hockey Lee was a lawyer, and all, all these guys who are refs. This is just what they do on Sunday. I'm not trying to take away from the from all the time and effort and energy that they they put into learning all the NFL's rules because the NFL has tons of rules and you have to. They put a lot of effort and energy into it, but you know what we're getting now is holding whenever it's convenient for one side or not convenient for another. Clipping on a player who's never clipped in his whole life. They're not blowing a play dead when maybe they should. If you're going to find them, make them full-time employees. Make it so that this isn't their side gig. Make it so that they're you know fully vested as NFL refs. Uh, and if this is not something that they can walk away from without it, you know, affecting their livelihood, you know, they're vested like it's their job. That might help give them some incentive or give them the extra time that they need to become the best refs rather than just having people that do this part-time. I mean, can you imagine an NFL that's going to embrace gambling as a revenue source and we're going with part-time referees who have other jobs? I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too, to be honest. If you're going to, if you're going to embrace gambling as a revenue stream to help the NFL become a mega corporation and, you know, as profitable as it could possibly be, you have to say, well, we have to have the best officiating possible because otherwise people are going to see this as fixed, right? Like that's the conversation we've been having for a couple of weeks now. And that's, so a, and that's a great point. Great point. It's, it's time to make refs full time. It's time to make them, uh, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to continue to be lawyers or whatever else they are, they, they could do that as piecework or whatever else, but make them full time employees, have them be spending, you know, 40, 50 hours a week in the building, uh, reviewing stuff, checking each other, peer review, instructional stuff, have Dan Bleen, Dan Blandino in there, you know, Tuesday through 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 Friday or whatever, educating these guys, showing them stuff, showing them blown mm -hmm. calls, showing them what to look for, showing them what the problems are, make them full time. And then, you know, when they're missing it, like put it in their contract. Like, hey, if you if you're like Jason said before, if you're missing these, if you're consistently seeing these or we're, we're consistently seeing, you know, all this stuff going on, we're, we're going to have a, a financial problem like you, you can be fine for this. Um, and I, mean, I know they have a quality assurance program. I mean, just like I'm sure you do it at, at your job. I do, you know, with our EMS reports, you know, I have to go over and make sure, you know, all the boxes are checked, you know, the right way. And, and that, and I know they have that because they, they've called it out where there are certain officiating crews that are much worse than others. And, you know, I've had, you know, X amount of blown calls or missed calls or whatever. So I know they put them on blast, but it's like the, the punishment isn't there. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, I've been crappy the last couple of weeks and eh, nothing's going to happen. You get a $50,000 fine or, you know, whatever, insert, you know, X amount of dollars. You're going to think about that the next time you're out there on the field. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I think also make by making them full-time employees and you think about losing your job for not being good enough at it, you know, there's always the next man up, right? Someone else wants to be an NFL referee. I think if your job could be placed in jeopardy for you not doing a good job. We also talked before about uh, financial disclosure being a thing that we want to make sure that these refs aren't profiting from the game. I, I think you just have to do it to be honest. And I think if you're not willing to have uh, an NFL accountant or a third-party forensic accountant would be ideal. Uh, looking into your dealings, uh, then, you know, maybe maybe that's just that's not a position where you, you're going to be because you have to stand up to the highest level of scrutiny if you're going to be deciding, frankly, the destiny of billion dollar corporations and 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 people who invested their entire lives into it. You know, people like Jerry Jones, but people like Patrick Mahomes, people who have devoted their entire life to this sport, to this game, to this 60 minute moment where they get to change their destiny forever. 
you have to get this correct. And if it's going to be the premier source of entertainment, we have to have the highest level of integrity on it. Otherwise, like I said, it's just, it's the WWF or the WWE. It's everything we thought the XFL could be in 2001 where it's Vince McMahon's running the show. So is everything fixed? You know, is it just, is it just uh, you know, a show for people to gamble on? We, we have to have that a hundred percent other games that, showed that, that we had a problem was the Bears 28 to 13 win over the Lions. Justin Fields in the third quarter on a third and 13 had an incomplete pass rather than intentional grounding. That was something that changed the outcome of the game. Saints 28 to 6 win over Carolina Panthers. Saints quarterback Derek Carr was under pressure on a screen pass and threw it into the chest of an offensive lineman. There was no receiving option inside those 15 yards because uh, running back Kamara was had gone to the opposite sideline for the pass. Off, officials ruled incomprehensibly that it was an incomplete pass and not intentional grounding. Um, there was a bunch of no calls in the Cleveland Browns 31 to 27 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And finally, Miles Garrett, the defensive end, went on blast saying the officials were a travesty today. It was honestly awful. Someone has to hold them accountable for all the calls they don't make. This is Miles Garrett's talking about the stuff, the exact same stuff that we're talking about. Uh, so, I mean, you have. Three games right there, uh, and that's just right off the top where the 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 refs are deciding things. And both Jake and I would agree, you know, somewhat cynically, but with a degree of honesty that you know should be spoken about. You know, were the refs in the bag for the Eagles when they played the Cowboys and when they played the Bills? It just seemed like, you know, they would they would catch it all for they would catch all the penalties for the Cowboys and the Bills, but the Eagles weren't getting anything with the Buffalo game. You know, the, the Eagles really didn't get any penalty yardage at, at all until the end of the game. When I think the ref started saying like, Hey, uh, look at the balance sheet. Like these, these, uh, these Eagles don't have hardly any penalties at all. And anyone watching this game will know that they're not the most disciplined team in the league. They're not perfect. So we better throw in something here and there. And, and the mere fact that we're we're questioning it, you know, we say with with judges, we say this with police officers, we say this in almost every aspect of of our jobs as first responders, that even the appearance of impropriety is impropriety itself. You can never you can you have to be if you're in a position of public trust, you have to be beyond suspicion. You have to be above reproach. And so these these NFL referees are not first responders or anything, and they don't have the the ethical demands that we do as public servants, but. Again, they're, they're, everything there's high stakes. So have them be beyond reproach. Don't don't put yourselves in a position, NFL referees, where the fans are looking at you like, what is going on? And that doesn't mean make sure that you're putting on more penalties for both teams so that both teams are equally penalized. It means do your damn job. We can all see what the game is. We're all going to be watching replays all week. And for those 60 minutes, you better be at the absolute top of your game. And it's and it's easy. I mean, it's easy to sit you know, on a Sunday afternoon as a fan and be and be the best of official out there, you know. Oh, that was a hold. Oh, they didn't call that hold. This and that. But it's been just absolutely blatant. I mean, just absolutely blatant, right in front of your face. And that's that's the scary part for me. Right. And I saw a statistic. It it might be a couple of years old now, but who knows what the the last year or two has done to the curve? But saying that if if the team that got more penalties like 70 or 80% of the time lost the game. So if you want to talk about, you know, being above reproach and, and the financial um, aspect of it and stuff, like how can you not say that they have sway over the game or that they could be profiting from this or that they're, you know, quote unquote, covering the spread. Um, It's, it's, uh, and it seems to just be getting worse. 
And with I bringing can... the gambling in, it's a slippery slope, like John was saying. I mean, your your scrutiny is going to be, you know, completely under a microscope now, you know, times a thousand now that you actually have sports books in, in the building, in the stadiums, which just absolutely cracks me up because it was, I never thought that I'd see it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like I said, I, I just don't think you can have it both ways. If you're going to embrace gambling and you're going to say gambling is the way, I think you just have to say it's time for professional refs. Before yep. we move on to the to the final topic, I got to pay the bills. That's actually my job to do that. Uh, folks, um, Failure to Stop is brought to you by Ghostbed. Ghostbed is a wonderful company that makes beds and sheets and pillows and all kinds of wonderful things. You're going to want to go to ghostbed.com. Use the offer code Wolfpack. You can get up to 40% off of everything that they have there. You're going to want to go there and check everything out, whether it's their adjustable frames, their cooling technology, their wonderful pillows, which if you can't afford anything else, you can definitely get a pillow. With 0% down and 0% financing, anybody can go in there and get a wonderful product. Even if you have the credibility or the credit of an NFL referee, a part-time guy, you could go in there and you can get a ghost bed. Folks, we want you to support ghost bed because they support failure to stop. It's the fourth quarter. Ghostbed has certain sales goals that they're attempting to reach before the end of the year. We also have goals here. We want you to buy as many Ghostbeds as possible before 2023 is out so that Ghostbed can take a look at us and say, hey, failure stops the place to advertise. They will give us money to keep going on this podcast. That keeps me and Jason and others from basically being slaves as we do this show. So we appreciate getting paid. Go over there to Ghostbed. Uh, we appreciate them so much because they're the only mattress and mattress company whose wares are made in the good old USA. 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 All right. We're getting, we are getting better each time. We're getting better, but I, but I'm also I'm getting close to retiring it. I don't know. I love doing it, but it just it never works out. It's, uh, it's amazing. Go over there, use the offer code Wolfpack. Tell them Tanzan the gang sent you. We would appreciate that. The other uh, sponsor that we have, of course, is Factor Meals. Folks, if you are hungry and you're a person who eats food, don't treat yourself like a chump. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to want a delicious meal brought right to your door. This is like reverse trick-or-treating, except there's no empty calories and terrible sugar, unless that's specifically what you ask for. Folks, Factor Meals has over 300 options of meals that are prepared by chefs. They get shipped to you after you pick them out and they get brought to your door. You can decide how many you want a week. They get brought right to your house. You get to unpack them. They're kept cold with ice. Throw them in the fridge throughout the week. You can throw those in the microwave for two minutes apiece. You get a delicious meal just like mom used to make. These are not hungry man dinners. These are not frozen meals. They do not taste terrible. These are not... Uh, they do not have all the flavor and vitamins blasted out of them by being in some corporate deep freeze for six months. This is fresh food, folks. It's brought to you right to your door. In an era of Bidenomics and in a crazy time where you don't want to go driving around town in the gauntlet of Christmas shoppers in the darkness of the cold weather and the, the bad weather, just waiting to have an accident because you're just trying to go to the damn store, have the food brought to your house, folks. It just makes sense. You can go over there and you can save all kinds of money compared to Bidenomics and the loss of your time, which, of course, is irreplaceable. Go over to Factor Meals. Use the code WOLFPACK50. That's WOLFPACK50. That's our offer code that gets you 50% off to start. We appreciate it if you go over there and support them. Just like Ghostbed, they support us. Factor Meals is in with first responders just like you and me. Go over there and support them, and they will support us going strong into 2024. We appreciate you, Factor Meals. I'm getting hungry for lunch right now. Uh, so I may go have a factor meal soon. Just uh, remember, delicious food could be brought right to your door. Thanks for supporting us, Factor Meals. What do you say, guys? Say for a final story of the day, as we still have a little bit of time left. I was going to talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers' timeline for return. Is Jake? Is that something you're interested in talking about? Or yeah, I've I've heard rumors that he was coming back, but I don't really know uh, specifics. And if we have time, um, I have got a quick take on that Army Navy game call. 
Yes, let's talk about Army Navy. I watched Army Navy this week. I watched Army Navy every I watch it every year because I love the tradition. You have two five and six teams going out there and playing and 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 at the face of it you're like why is this on TV? It's because it's a great America's tr- American tradition. It's called America's game. I traditionally root for Navy. But I love seeing uh the midshipmen and the cadets uh the the, the black knights going out there and playing. And for them, it's their Super Bowl, right? Folks, if you don't know what's the difference is, is that when you go out there and watch Alabama and Auburn play or Florida or Florida State or Michigan and Michigan State or Ohio State or whoever it is, a lot of those guys have careers ahead in the NFL. They've got big things that they're going on to. They're going to they're gonna shy away from bowl games sometimes so they can jump into the portal, go to the NFL draft. The guys who are playing Army, Navy, this is it. This is their Super Bowl. After this, they've got a, they've got a life of service and commitment ahead of them. They're going to go in and become officers in the United States Army and Navy. And with rare exception, very few people who play for Army and Navy go on to NFL careers. Probably the biggest exception would be Roger Staubach for the Cowboys, who first went and uh, was uh, stationed in Vietnam before his NFL career ever began. Uh, but I love the tradition. I love how they have one of the deepest rivalries in the game. They truly, I mean, whenever you watch it, they, they, always, they always say, go Army beat navy they can never say like go our team without defeating the other team that's how strong they are into it but at the end of the game uh they all have like this the the most profound respect like i don't respect the eagles when the game's over like i just i want them to be escorted out of texas stadium like i don't want them to be there right like like the townies had better follow their bus with like pitchforks and torches the the eagles the eagles need to feel like getting out of town alive is a minor miracle with the Army and the Navy, they have so much respect for each other. They play they play each other's alma maters. It's uh, just such a good moment. It's always good to watch. And surprisingly, in recent years, they've always had good games. But, Jake, what's your take on it? Uh, so I, I didn't watch the whole game. I was just watching some highlights and stuff, and I just saw there was some controversy. And I'm sure that um, being military members, if they don't already have a sense of humor, hopefully they will. Um, like the Bills just said that um, in the – Buffalo, I just sent you the meme. I forgot to send it before the show. Uh, they told the KFC or the Chiefs basically to shake it off um, that loss. So hopefully Army Navy will have something similar. But I guess um, what happened is when um, Army punted the ball and it came down, it looked like it came off the midshipman's foot. So it was a live ball. And I saw that. Uh, they thought they had possession, but the call on the field was it didn't make contact so that Navy got to keep the ball. So um, that was, a, you know, just another brief example of another officiating thing that could have been easily seen on replay that was missed. And I just I knew you liked the Army Navy game. So I just wanted to briefly mention that. I do. I, I, I however... see that play. I, however, d- disagree with you. When you see the ball hit the ground, it actually throws up those little rubber pellets. That's that's what the artificial turf is made out of. Oh, okay. So it hit, hit the ball. I didn't see it hit the foot. I get why why it was controversial, right? I get that they had to watch it from multiple angles. The other thing is, is they were saying, you know, the, the ball only bounced that way because it hit the side of his foot or his instep. Folks, this is a football. It bounces any way it wants to bounce. That's the whole point of, mm. well, I mean, aside from it being easy to throw through the air, so you, have, you give it a point. The football bounces all kinds of crazy ways, so I wouldn't say well, like well, based on the way the ball bounced, it must have hit the foot. I, I you know, and and frankly, the way that it bounced was it hit it hit the ground, and it continued rolling going forward in the momentum from the direction which it was thrown. So I I saw it hit the ground, and bounce forward and slightly to the right, which is about you know what you would expect just out of the physical mechanics of it. But if you watch that game and you thought that it hit the midshipman's foot, I guess I'm really not going to argue with you because it really was one of those close things, and it's one of those small instances where. 
you know, he had the midshipman player happened to throw out his foot. And so it almost, if you watch it without context, it almost looks like he was like trying to kick it or something just from the motion mm. of his leg. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where like, yeah, if he touched it and it got recovered by army, that would, that would hugely throw the way the game was played And the NFL. The NFL has something like that in almost every, every single game that's played where there's, there's a moment that's close. Was he in bounds? Was he out of bounds? Uh, Jason, I want to get, get your take uh, on the army Navy game. If you saw any of that. I, I only, unfortunately, only saw clips of it. Um, but the game, I agree with you being, you know, a, the tradition that it is and having family that is in the military, like it's, I always do try to watch it. And I really enjoy it when it's, when the weather is just absolutely terrible and you see all those guys, you know, in their, in their coats, but they're, they're having the time of their lives. I mean, just, you see, I mean, you can almost see the stadium shaking when they're jumping. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, everyone's so excited about that game and not to get, not to go out of sports into politics, but I got a little bit peeved when I saw an article where all of these people, all these service members that were coming to this game, families, all their hotel reservations, not all of them, but most of their hotel reservations got canceled because they had illegals in the hotels. What? Yes. I haven't, I haven't heard this. What the heck happened? I, well, I will send you the article, but, uh, it's because of all because of all the illegal aliens that are being transported. These people had you know reservations last year for this game, and a lot of them got canceled because their rooms were given to you know given free to illegal aliens. Okay, that pisses me off beyond comparison because this is the most important game in in so many of these young officers' lives. Like I said, it's the Super Bowl for them because they don't have NFL ambitions after this. It means everything to their family. It means everything to the Naval Academy. It means everything to West Point. For both of these teams, it doesn't really matter if they win or lose the rest of the year. They've got to beat Army. They've got to beat Navy. Air Force thrown in there, you know. <laughs> the, the idea that we they would go out there to Foxborough, Gillette Stadium, to be there for the most important game of their of their the culmination of their of their football careers. Like I said, this is their Super Bowl. And for our service members and their families who fight for this country and fight for good football for them to be thrown out of out of their hotel rooms to to accommodate illegal aliens uh, to it boils my blood and we've been seeing things like that from the joe biden administration where the the people who are supporting this country are taking a backseat to those who don't respect it enough to come here illegally you're right that is a big political point that i'm about to just like become <laughs> in, insanely angry on uh i think we can all just agree that wherever you are on the spectrum that we shouldn't be having a, people shouldn't be getting thrown out of hotels first of all to accommodate others like uh to me that almost sounds like a violation of the third amendment which you're like what third like i don't ever hear that one yeah third amendment is is that there's no quartering of troops right like the federal government can't uh, can't go into a private residence and say we're gonna have people sleeping here we can't you're we're gonna have troops sleeping here the british people used to that a lot where british soldiers would come into our colonies just like they would come to some somebody's house, some American's house, and be like, "Yeah, I need a place to stay, so I'm going to stay here tonight. I'm, I'm going to rack out on your couch." This this was such a big deal in in colonial times that like literally we decided, well, we've got to have the right to say what we want to say and think what we want to think. Right, right, we got that. I had guns, guns, yes, guns, super important. <laughs> Guys, what else are we cheesed off about? Like he and it's just like I am sick of these British soldiers sleeping in my house. Like that was literally number three for them. <laughs> Like it came before like like warrants and search and seizure. They were pissed off about British people holding up in their house. They so, come in, they don't put the seat down. I'm tired yes, of it. Yes, they don't put the bleeding all over my house. couch. Yeah, bleeding all over my couch. Bleeding on my couch. We don't even have toilets yet. So the situation here is gross. 
<laughs> so that's how bad it was for the Third Amendment. And so now we have, I have to presume, some sort of government mandate telling hotels that they have to put people up. How is that not a violation of the Third Amendment? I get that no lawyer specialized in the Third Amendment because it hasn't come up in like 300 years. But we should find somebody that like, I'm your Third Amendment guy. I don't know if you want to talk to Rob. See, I know he does mostly civil stuff. You want to see if he wants to become a constitutional lawyer specializing in the Third Amendment. This could be his This could be his billion dollar moment if Rob. It's the it's the only lawyer who defends who defends private corporations from the government forcing <laughs> occupancy by illegal immigrants. That's got to be a thing. I'm insane with anger over it. I didn't mean I didn't mean, but I did mean to to derail that a little bit because I knew it would get you into a rant. And oh, I'm so angry, Jake. In your defense, Kiefer, the Let's Go Brandon started at a NASCAR event, so I think I think we're good. I think we're covered. Uh, getting a little political on the sports show. Perfect. I think we. I think we Perfect. should. I Thank think, you. I appreciate you, Jake. Our last episode, we actually we mentioned Roe v. Wade, but the only sports show that's like <laughs> going to talk about like the politics of abortion. So, I think I think we're the ones who are going to do that. Uh, to go out on a high note, and so that I don't spend the rest of the day like drinking Monster Energy drinks and, and punching the drywall over this uh, illegal immigration situation and how it's affecting our military families. Do you guys want to talk about Aaron Rodgers? Because he says that he'll be back for the Christmas Eve game. Uh, for the Jets, who at that point, uh, who kn- who the hell knows where they'll be at? You just had Zach Wilson go out there after after not wanting apparently to start for the Jets again. He was benched in favor of uh, Tim Boyle or somebody, some guy, and uh, Boyle was fired after the job that he did. So they they text Zach Wilson and they're like, "Hey, good news! You're the starting quarterback for the New York Jets again." He's like, "I don't know, you know, I've got plans on Sunday, you know, like somebody's coming over. We were gonna watch the game from home." <laughs> they're like, no, you gotta, you gotta be the quarterback. So he's like, okay. I just went to the grocery. I got snacks. I mean, I was, I was yeah, ready like, to on the couch. He probably had uh, plans with Robert Sala's mom. Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good if one. You, if, if you don't understand the relationship between Zach Wilson and various people's mothers, I suggest that you look into it. <laughs> um, Let me like ask myself. this: How many, how many years did did Rogers sign with the Jets? Because I don't know. Uh, that's a good, th- good question. I think it might have been one, one or two. I mean, uh, it's I a two-year two deal for seventy-five million, two, so he's okay, at least okay. there through next year. I mean, if it were me, I wouldn't start. He's getting paid. Yeah, just I go mean, through. I mean, you tore your Achilles for for Christ's sakes. The the thing that's interesting about that is that, um, you know. Everything I've heard about Achilles injuries and everything I know is that when someone tears their Achilles, they come back half the player they used to be. The Achilles is such a devastating injury that, you know, you're just you're never quite as good as as what you used to be. And and Aaron Rodgers is older. He's getting up there. I think he enjoys his status as sort of the elder statesman of the NFL. Now that Tom Brady's gone, I think he's the de facto like goat that's still playing. Yeah. Uh I, I don't know what benefit. I don't know what benefit there is. I don't know what benefit it would be to him. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did, actually didn't get to this because we've been so busy talking about more important things than Aaron Rodgers. And I think it is important to realize there are more important things than Aaron Rodgers. But NFL analyst Emmanuel Acho or Acho says, "I don't think he loves his teammates. I think he loves attention. I think he has an insatiable a- appetite to hear about Aaron Rodgers." And I think that's about accurate. Like he's the key reason he keeps teasing his comeback is because it's just possible that like. The other 15 teams in the NFL who have had their quarter starting quarterbacks go down, that he could somehow become irrelevant, not in the news cycle, 
he can't he can't pick on uh, Travis Kelsey every single week for getting the Pfizer shot. He has to find some way of of keeping himself relevant. So for him to to constantly talk about coming back is really the only way he can do that. Here's the interesting, most interesting part of it though is. A couple weeks ago, I said, well, you know, an injured Aaron Rodgers, even if he has a peg leg, he's going to be better than Zach Wilson. You know, like that's (laughs) the situation there. Zach Wilson's game versus the Texans, though, I mentioned at the top of the show that he possibly changed places uh, with C.J. Stroud, a body swap situation. Here's Zach Wilson's stats from the December 10 game against the Texans. His completion rate was 75% for 301 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions for a quarterback rating of 117.9. And a game where he didn't even want to play, he did a damn good job. Yeah. And and CJ Stroud, at, at one point I saw that the, the Jets were beating the shit out of the Texans. And then I saw Stroud was out with an injury. I'm like, oh, yeah, he must have got down in the first quarter and got a concussion or something. Uh, that's not what happened. Stroud went down in the fourth quarter. And, I, I you know, at that point, the game was probably not winnable or it would have been a feat to come back. Not that it's not possible. But uh, Wilson didn't want to play, and then he, he went out there and played. And nothing against Stroud or the Texans. I think sometimes you just have a bad game, case in point, Cowboys and Cardinals this year. Like, obviously, if we had won that game, we would have, we'd be in, in the lead of the division right now. Every game matters. But sometimes you're just going to have a bad game or a trap game, and I think maybe that's what happened. But So what do you do if you're the Jets right now? You've had this terrible controversy the entire year. Your name, Wilson, the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Haha, uh-huh, just kidding. Tim Boyle's in here now. Then, then we we see well. There's actually a floor beneath Zach Wilson with Tim Boyle, and then we we kick Tim Boyle out of here. He's not even allowed to stay on the team. We literally <laughs> like the bus the bus doors close and they drive away with Tim Boyle, and he's hitting the back of the bus. Guys, you let you forgot me. And the Jets the Jets bus drives away without Tim Boyle. So you get you get Zach Wilson back in there. And he balls out. But now you still got Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, despite the fact that I've had a career-ending injury and I'm I'm uh, almost 50 years old, I am going to come in here now on Christmas Eve and reassume my leadership of the New York Jets. Is, well, this, think, is this about just staying, keeping the eyes on him? Or what do you think? I think, it's, I, I think it's keeping him relevant. But I agree to the point of, was it Acho, H-O? And the fact, what does that do? with him not loving his teammates, what does that do to your locker room where you had nowhere else to go, but you went to, you went to Wilson, then he went to Boyles, you're back to Wilson. And now, you know, granted he was the star quarterback that, you know, the jets brought in to revitalize. And I don't know if you watched any of the hard knocks, it was very good, but he, he's, he, he is very full of himself. But what he's tearing apart that locker room at that point because now it, is it in Zach we trust in Aaron we trust? What's your offense do? Mm. Well, and that's kind of been the story though with the the New Jersey Jets is that they have this inconsistency. I mean, I think that's the point too with Zach Wilson. It's not that he hasn't had good games. It's not that he is he's a terrible player, but he hasn't been able to consistently do it and he's had serious downturns and stuff and I feel like Aaron Rodgers is um you know he's a good quarterback no question but he he seemed to be kind of the comeback kid there was not a lot of um you know blowout games that he kind of reminds me like Ben Roethlisberger towards the end of his career now where he would just put in just enough effort and then in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go he's throwing a Hail Mary and they win you know and it's like he's all beat up and um, I don't know, but yeah, for morale, I, I agree. I think it's just 
I, I think it's just more drama. He's just trying to insert himself and stay relevant at his uh, his advanced age as far as football. I won't say he's too old because he's these players are um, just a little bit older than me and some of them a few years younger. So he should I, just Roger should just go back to Peru, go on another ayahuasca trip, chill out, see a training camp. Yeah, he he should he should take the rest of the year off because it's not the Jets. I can't believe would have any kind of a chance in the AFC anyway. The chances of him going out there nursing an injury and that he's going to be even more injured, um, it's just too dangerous. If he really wants to have a comeback, if he wants to say Aaron Rodgers' final chapters are written, he's got to just take off the rest of the season. There's no point in you putting yourself at risk to achieve nothing in terms of your playoff hopes. Like we said, there's yeah. over 100 AFC teams that are on the bubble for that wild card <laughs> spot and the jets aren't, aren't really there. And so uh, other than going out there and making some kind of point, I don't know why you would do that. And, I, and you can remain relevant as Aaron Rodgers without having to go out there and cause controversy. I'll draw kind of a bad comparison, but in, uh, in, in 2016, you had Tony Romo was injured in the preseason. Dak Prescott goes out there and he, he goes like 11 and one, right? Like, there's really no question that Dak Prescott's like the heir apparent. We don't have a quarterback controversy because it's it's Dak Dak Prescott. Well, what does Tony Romo do? He doesn't he doesn't come. He finally healed. He was no longer injured. He didn't come come back and say, "Well, now we're heading into the playoffs. I'm going to take my job back, and I'm the one that can help us, you know, beat uh, the the Falcons or the Rams or whoever it is they were playing that year. And I, I'm going to take it the rest of the way from here." He was in a situation where he could have done that and said, I'm the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. But he said, you know, Dak's earned the right to lead this team. And those that was with Pro Bowl or excuse me, playoff and Super Bowl aspirations in mind. But look at let's translate that over to the Jets. They have a let's play 17 games aspirations this year. And I think I think if you're going to unite that locker room and create a positive culture for next year, Aaron Rodgers can say, look, look, I'm coming back quick. I'm going to be strong next year. But like we all need to support Zach Wilson or Brett Ripien or whoever is going to be the quarterback for the Jets. It just creates some solidarity. There's no point in just making it all about you. You know, you're he did this with the Packers, too. He had the audacity wants to say that no one's bled more green and gold than he he has. And I, I don't think that's true at all. I think I think Aaron Rodgers plays for team Aaron Rodgers. The mere fact that, that when he went to the Jets, he brought all of his uh, the people he wanted with him and he wanted he wanted control over the team means it's really the the New York or the New Jersey Aaron Rodgers is, you know, <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think that's how he views it. And so there can be no New Jersey Aaron Rodgers is without Aaron Rodgers. And so he has to put himself in that position. Jake, you're right though, about, about his age, not being that much. I love it when uh, uh, you see these memes and it's just like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the players in the NFL, you're like, Oh my God, here comes the oldest player in the NFL. He's 36. He's a miracle that he can even walk out there in the field. And I'm just like, I'm 39. And then I'm like, I'm too old to play in the NFL. Like it was never going to happen anyway, but just to, just to feel the door close by. Yeah. The door closed. I was just going to say the door closed. Yeah, it, well, it hurts. so the best, the best way that you and Aaron Rodgers could win a Super Bowl is on a guided trip. Uh, on mushrooms so i think that this year i think that would probably be in both of your best interests if that's something that you're into i'm not necessarily for or against i know it's done some good things for some people but um but yeah and and another point i heard about all these everything that we've been talking about the stuff with patrick Mahomes, you know uh ken dorsey when he got mad um stuff with aaron Rodgers is these people are those elite 
you know, 1% people and they're going to be extra. So just kind of argue the other side, play devil's advocate. He wants to be the guy. He wants to be relevant. He wants to do this. You have to be cocky and confident and you get, you want to have to want the ball. So I do get that, that that's going to be part of his winning mentality. That's going to be part of what he wants to do. But I just don't think it's necessarily, like you said, smart as far as um, his contract. Knowing he has another year to play, get healthy, come back next year, and and you know try to make a run. But I don't think this year would be would be wise. Keith, for uh, final thoughts for the day, and you you predicted that Bengals are going to beat Minnesota. Now that Minnesota is comfortable with winning a game three to zero, do you feel even better going into this contest against the Vikings? I feel ecstatically better. Yeah, you feel it's gonna, it's gonna be a real rubber match, I'm sure. I feel very confident going against the Buffalo Bills. We got Josh on, he's a turnover machine over there. The Cowboys love, uh, love taking the ball away. It's what we do, it's what we make our bread and butter out of. Jerron Bland's gonna be all over him all day long, taking the ball away. I'm not sure that the Buffalo Bills will ever be on offense at any point. That said, I've been very uh, cocky, very arrogant, setting myself up for a huge fall. Uh, we'll probably get a replay of this next week as I'm sobbing. Uh, just because anything can happen, Buffalo might uh, come along and spoil it. Jake, what are your predictions for this weekend? Will our friendship survive? I, I think our friendship uh, will survive. Um, I, and I, like I said, like I told you in private, I hope that uh, we get to play each other twice this year, and I hope the Bills win both times just to just to right the universe, um, <laughs> just to bring things back as they should be, because uh, America's team should be wearing uh, red, white, and blue. Uh, well, we do that. We put the put the red stripe on our helmet whenever we want. To well, do we so, do that. Well, we do. Uh, so there used to be this thing called single man combat, right? So what mm. we used to do is instead of risking all of our vast armies, we would go out there and send one man out. There's very famous uh, confrontations that you'll remember: David versus Goliath. Uh, the uh, the Gemini astronauts. We were putting one man in that capsule, blowing him up into space to take on the one man of the Russians. We would fight them. Mano y mano, toe to toe. I say, regardless of the outcome of the contest or contests between the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys, you and I shall meet in February on neutral ground. You and me, uh, weapons definitely, and we will solve forever between you and me who is the greater team, the Dallas Cowboys or the Buffalo Bills. And uh, uh, with you being there, I know that uh, there's really no rules in terms of dirty play. So. We're both going to go go all out. Jason, where can they find you uh, on uh, social media and plug your podcast that you do over there on the other network? So we got a One More and I'm Out of Here podcast. Um, three guys sitting around a bar talking about everything that you're talking about and more. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can just type in, search One More and I'm Out of Here, and you'll find us or one more and I'm out of here.com. Got a bunch of merch that we're selling. So go look us up. Yeah. I love that show. I used to appear there until I insulted the Cincinnati uh, Fraternal Order of Police guy, and now I am banned. Uh, somehow, though, Rob Herking still making the cut every week. Jake, where can they where can they find you? I know that you're the host of Failure to Stop Part-Time with me on Patreon. Uh, where can they look you up to get in touch with you? Uh, so if you want to slide into my uh, DMs, which uh, people have been taking advantage of in the last few weeks, I'm, uh, I am Jake Motherfucker Welder, all lowercase one word, on Instagram. And that's the only place I could be found on the internet because I'm still trying to maintain uh, operational and personal security and uh, keep my keep myself in the shadows. But uh, that's where I can be found. 
new episodes drop uh, most most weeks most every week we'll probably have another one coming out on uh yesterday since today's thursday uh you folks can can find me if you want to on it difficult to look at pictures we'll always be here breaking down the news and other stuff for you folks favorite stop is a full family of podcasts a loving trusting family on sunday you can get all the conspiracy stuff that you need with anthony Ramondi. on monday it's uncuffed you can get comedy with margaret owen and jay Durrell white they're gonna just have a good time and give you some live comedy on tuesday it's true crime tuesday with me and kendra drama where we talk about all the weird shit the terrible stuff to keep you awake all night. Wednesdays, all the news you need with that leg. Thursday, you're here with sports, and the Fridays, the made big case breakdowns with Eric Tanzi and Tyler. Folks, we love you here at Failure Stop. Thanks for listening. Thanks for embracing the new show. Uh, thanks for sticking with us as we get the kinks worked out. We're hoping to bring you a top quality product every week. Support our sponsors if you're listening on iTunes. If you're listening on Spotify, leave us a five star rating and review. Give our uh, sponsors a, uh, your business. We would appreciate it. Uh, pass the show around. Uh, on YouTube, we're very close to 8,000 subscribers. I want to hit 8K before the end of the year. Time's running out. We're about two weeks away, but we're less than 100 to go. So tell somebody on your squad, tell someone in your department, hey, check out the show to let them know that we got a fire chief and a 9 dispatcher and a correctional sergeant talking about sports, that we can do it through a first responder lens. And then even if we weren't first responders, maybe we're okay at this. It's just possible. Pass it around. If you like true crime, if you like comedy, if you like news, you like politics, Fair Stop's got something for you. We appreciate you guys. Always remember, uh, guns up, giddy up. Good night, America.